1: Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, Scott Luton, Greg White with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's live stream. Gregory, you are back. Blow the horns. Have a parade. It is Greg White back in our midst. How are you doing? I'm doing quite well. Thank you. <laughs> you have
0: been missed. Do you feel missed? Well, it feels good to be back. Yeah, I guess missed. Yeah. I feel, It feels <laughs> great to be back. Yeah, it's good to see good, you. Good, We're good, good. or are here, everybody. I can't see everybody.
1: <laughs> well, welcome back. Of course, not taking anything away from Constantine and Mary Kate and Kevin, who all filled in. Allison, I think, as well. Had a great episode with Allison. Yeah. But uh, great to have you back, Gregory. Thank you. we got a lot to get into today, a lot to get into today. Um, and we see we've got already Josh and Angela and uh, Zanel, uh, Ola Witosan. We'll say hello to everybody in just a minute, but great to have you and everyone else here with us today. So, Greg, it is the Supply Chain Buzz, as you know, a live show that comes at our global Supply Chain Now fam every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. Greg, what do we tend to cover here on the buzz? Only everything you need to know about supply chain,
0: <laughs> right? The, I mean, the trends, the issues, the opportunities of the moment, right? So once a week, you get to hear about everything cool that's happening in supply
1: chain. That is right, Uh, and so which is mostly you, Scott. (laughs) But, hey, folks, we want to hear from you as well. Uh, So we'd love for you to, just like many folks are doing right now, throw your comments, your perspective right there in the chat, and we'll share that throughout the hour as well. And, folks, if you're listening to the podcast replay, which a lot of folks do, hey, consider joining us live on LinkedIn or YouTube or some other social media channel of your choosing. We'd love for you to be part of the live show every Monday, at twelve noon Eastern Time. Okay, so Greg, uh, let's go ahead and share a few resources with folks. We're you know, we're big on sharing resources, right? Unquestionably, and we got tons of them. We do. We got tons of stuff to help folks out. Look at those vibrant vegetables. I wish I could grow vegetables like that. Greg, can you?
0: Yeah. Uh, no, but Vicky can. <laughs> and uh, if I, if we could interview the deer around our house, they could all verify. That, that she makes, she really grows fantastic tomatoes. I'd say that's her specialty.
1: Love that, love that, and hello to Vicky wherever you may be. The uh, uh, the controller with two green thumbs. It sounds. Yeah. Hey, So with that said, we dropped over the weekend and we focused it on Pollinator Week, which just concluded yesterday. So here's a did you know, Greg? And folks, you'll have to you'll have to dive into uh, this LinkedIn newsletter. We'll put the link in the chat so y'all can learn more about what what makes up Pollinator Week. But Greg. Did you know that scientists estimate that about 75% of the world's, all the world's flowering plants and about 35% of the world's food crops are dependent on animal pollinators, not just bees. There's about 3,500 types of bee species that help pollination. Of course, they're probably the hardest working pollinator, but there's all sorts of animals that serve as pollinators. Did you know that, Greg? I did not know the all sorts of animals part. I knew
0: the bees, of course, and I guess uh, that was kind of. When, when, uh, you, the, the post went up about this thing, I was like, what else pollinates stuff? (laughs) Right. I mean, all kinds of, I mean, sometimes it's just kind of a passing glance, literally, like somebody runs into a plant and that somehow pollinates it.
1: Right. That's right. You're absolutely right. So dogs, deers, bats, um, other insects. Uh, all of those folks and a lot more serve as pollinators in some capacity. And it really is because I think most of the world thinks of bees. And, of course, bees are the, I don't know, the 80-20 rule seems to come to my mind, but that might not be n- nowhere near accurate. But uh, that's—but anyway, the greater point is we got to take care. You know, the bees have gone through in recent years a lot of turmoil that's yep. hurting their populations, right?
0: Yeah, a lot of the chemicals that we use uh, for killing other bugs or for, fertilizer or whatever appear to be like knocking down the bee population mm. so i can tell you here northwest of atlanta and in switzerland okay and up north uh it, you know up north in the northern part of georgia as well they are actively cultivating um colonies of bees are they mm. called a colony it's a hive whatever <laughs> Big old, big old groups of bees
1: <laughs> only scientific term <laughs> yeah well, folks good. North Georgia time. <laughs> right, right. Hey, check out. With that said, uh, it goes out uh, just about every weekend, usually Saturday or, or Sunday morning, and uh, it it uh, it kind of runs a gamut, a wide. It's a it's a it's a weekly variety newsletter, I'll call it. We cover all kinds of things across. With that said, um, speaking of resources, Greg, we got a lot more work to do this week. So this coming yeah. Thursday at twelve noon Eastern time. We've got John Lander with Omnia Partners coming to us to talk about revolutionizing your purchasing process in the current market. Greg, procurement's cool again, right? It's As cool as
0: it's ever going to be, you know. I mean, I think, I think uh, we in supply chain we can't reach too high, right? We've gotten to the big kids' table. Now the C-suite even listens to us. I don't know if you know. I don't know if we can say cool yet, but we're way in the heck up there.
1: Yeah. I'm we're not
0: we're not just geeks anymore, right? <laughs> we're not those those goofy cats in, in only in shirts with their name tag. Although I, you don't underestimate the power of a shirt with a name tag on it. I like right. to keep one around, <laughs> um, right? But I, yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know, there's I think companies, even uh, consumers, are recognizing the importance of supply chain. So nobody doesn't know what supply chain is these days. That's right. That is right.
1: Uh, So folks join us this Thursday as we dive into some expertise and some uh, uh, insights on again, revolutionizing your purchasing process in the current market with John Lander from Omnia partners. Now along these lines, Greg, one last thing to share with folks along these lines Mm. is uh, if you don't want to miss sessions like that one, or lots for webinars, we've had we've had some home run webinars here lately, or some of the exclusive tools and resources that uh, that come about due to some of these live events. If you don't want to miss all that stuff and and a lot more, join the Now community. And folks, you can do this. It's real simple. I think you use the link that uh, that Amanda and Catherine are dropping in chat. And it's real. It's very rigorous. Greg, first name, last name, email. <laughs> First name, last name, email. That's as rigorous as it takes to join the NOW community. Greg, Can um, you
0: fog a mirror? If (laughs) so, and you care about supply chain in any way, sign up.
1: That's right. Sign up. And and we've got the link there, folks. You can hit that and you can sign up uh, joining about 25,000 other folks that stay in the know because they're cool like Greg White. Or, speaking of Greg, T-squared. Who I think I referenced on Friday. Uh yeah. he, I think we can say that. Yeah. He and he holds down Fort Force on YouTube, but he also is commenting here. He says, We're no longer the stepchild of business. He's talking supply chain, right, Greg?
0: Yeah, no doubt. The whole organization. Yes. And also a uh, you know, a good follow on the only place I see him is LinkedIn, Tyrone Thorpe. So
1: Write that down. Tyrone
0: Thorpe. That's why the T-squared. Get it?
1: (laughs) Tyrone, great to have you here, as always. Uh, Speaking of, uh, so folks, again, we've we've got a link there to join the NOW community so you don't miss any of our live events, uh, the tools and resources that come out of all those things. uh, So join it there. Uh, I want to welcome in, uh, Garov is with us via LinkedIn. I think I said that right. If I didn't, please let me know. Great to have you. uh, Syanton. You think I got that right? Syanton. Uh Greg,
0: Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh the last name is actually easier. Bada Botachargy.
1: Okay. I, man, I'm, I'm I'm impressed. Hey, but regardless, mm-hmm. welcome, Sayantan via LinkedIn. Great to have you here. I think, now, that, I think that's about right. I think so too. Check us on it. Yeah. Try to spell it phonetically for us. <laughs> we um, get it right. Josh Goody is back with us, and he's he's talking about the bees and the pollinators. He says, "Hey, we got to check the soil health." and a water pattern for the color of those peppers. Also, <laughs> I think he was being maybe sarcastic because those peppers look so good. Also, he feels the pain about deer eating gardens, as you were just referencing mm-hmm. a minute ago, Greg. For whatever reason, Josh says they love chives, tulips, and apples fresh off the tree. How about that?
0: They do love flowers, and the ones they don't love, it doesn't stop them from pulling them out of the ground by you know, trying them, right? pulling them out of the ground, and then spitting them out on the ground so even the ones (laughs) that they don't take away
1: you have to replant that's right um speaking procurement leonardo from procurement garage great to see you here leonardo via linkedin welcome 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 and welcome to everyone else that is here with us today for the buzz we've got a lot of stuff to get into here Uh, all right so greg are you ready to get to work i believe that i am yes Uh, I think
0: it's been long enough that I should be ready to get back to work, don't
1: you? (laughs) I do. Great to have you back. So, with that said, um, I want to dive into our first story here today. Remember the old um, Wendy's, the the hamburger franchise uh, from the 80s, the Where's the Beef ad? Remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was iconic during the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Well, let's talk about where's the beef. So according to a story from our friends at Supply Chain Dive, smaller and smaller cattle herds are pushing beef prices higher and higher. Hmm. The smaller herds are primarily due to drought conditions across the country. And, of course, consumer beef prices due to these smaller, smaller cattle herds are approaching record level territory that was set during the pandemic. Greg, I'd love to hear your thoughts here. I'd love to say
0: it's time to become a vegetarian, but I've tried that and it's just not working for me. So (laughs) I guess it's time to pay up, isn't it? I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, we we reported a little bit on this some months ago. It may have been a year ago that this was starting to happen. And the same with with farmed crops as well. And that we could expect to see, uh, you know, that we could expect to see the impact on down the road on, um, you know, the center of the plate type items and uh you know i guess this is the result of of kind of the uh, environmental conditions that we're experiencing in these parts of the world so uh you know we ride it out until the until the herds get bigger um or we pay more and Mm. and uh you know what I, i think is really interesting is that it's not that that the farmers are profiting so much more it's just that you know it's it's virtually the same amount of work going into less fewer since I should say fewer head of cattle um so the fixed costs remain the same and drive the price up and of course scarcity drives the price up on the market side
1: mm you know it's it's really interesting um my brain doesn't always go to semiconductors when we're talking beef but with all the ground being broken in various places across the world, but certainly some of the mega sites that have been announced here in the States and all the water it takes to run those facilities, man, mm-hmm. where's it going to come from? And we've, we certainly talked about that too. Where's it all going to come from? You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, the good news is we won't run out of water, right? Water does not escape the, it does not escape the atmosphere against constantly recycled through the air and through the ground so we might run out of clean water but we will not run out of water what happens is the areas that are arid shift around the planet so you know there was a time allegedly even when the sahara desert was lush really right? allegedly <laughs> <laughs> i'm not, not a geologist and unlike <laughs> and and unlike economists i am not Right as often as a geologist is
1: oh that's great because our next story is all about the economy so stay tuned folks um but geology yeah you're you're bringing me flashbacks of my um i think geology was a big part of our my seventh grade science curriculum that i struggled throughout so uh but good stuff there and i always appreciate you bringing the good news hey speaking of so, you know, Greg, just to recap, uh, y'all check out the story via supply chain. I We we'll drop the link in the chat as well. So Greg curious, as we're talking beef, what is your favorite cut, uh, uh steak cut? Uh, well, my, uh, my favorite cut is porterhouse. Okay. But,
0: I mean, as those are 20 ounces minimum and now with the thickness that they love to cut them for, I don't know, to be impressive, 35 ounces, mm. right. Approaching. Approaching three pounds i don't eat them very often so absent that a, a really great tenderloin tenderloin is a great usually called a filet yep um and i love a uh a kc strip which is a new york strip on the bone because you get a lot more flavor mm. when the meat's on the bone man sorry for the description for all the <laughs> vegetarians out there <laughs>
1: that sounds delicious farm I- kid
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> and kind of like you though. So I used to love the New York, New York Strip growing up. That was my mm-hmm. favorite growing up. And then uh, when I married Amanda, her family introduced me to a really good seared seared ribeye, right mm-hmm. with a nice oh, crust yeah. on the outside. That's really tough to beat. But to your point, we've also been eating smaller portions. So really, we'll go buy uh, the the whole tenderloin, uh, and then we'll 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 portion it out to where it's like five six ounces, and mm-hmm. that's plenty. A nice, a nice five or six ounce steak
0: is kind of what we have uh, evolved to, Greg. The main reason you would want to cut a tenderloin thicker is to get, you know, give you more temperature options, right? Because if you cut a steak really thin like they do in Europe, as I've experienced painfully over the last month, mm. um, it's really hard to cook it medium rare. Right. right? Which is my, just my opinion, the only way to cook a steak.
1: Yes. Um, all right, so now that everybody is is extremely hungry here on this Monday, June right, 26th. Or grossed
0: out, depending on your, <laughs> right. your, your culinary
1: choices. <laughs> um, a couple of quick comments here. So T Square, thank you, Clara Peller. Going back to where's the beef? That was Clara Peller, the actor uh, actress. Oh. She owned that line, and to his point, it's been applicable. Ever since 2018. Good point. Good point. Now, Gene, yeah. Ple- uh, Gene Pledger, Gino, is back with us. Gino, I hope this finds you well. He says demand moves around to chicken and pork when one protein gets out of line. That's a great yeah. call out. Uh, Greg, uh, just last month or so, I think we're both uh, big fans of Costco. Costco and, and some of the other um, similar retailers were, were giving reporting that was all pulled up to the government level. And one of the things that they Costco was reporting was, to Gino's point, uh, uh, more and more chickens were being chickens been bought rather than uh beef which uh due to the the, the higher pricing. So it's a great call out there, yeah. Gino.
0: I think it's important to understand too that beef, as I was just sort of alluding to, is very regional. North America, South America, Australia, Italy. Pretty much Italy <laughs> in Europe. And and by the way, you can get a good you can get good meat in Italy. Yep. Um, yep. But not A lot of other places pork is very prominent in continental europe yep right um so you know it's it's a regional dish you know vast regions admittedly but this isn't a problem for a lot of places on the planet that's right you know to gene's point pork is the primary it's the primary dish in a lot of uh european countries especially the germanic ones Mm. And I ain't lying. That sausage is good.
1: <laughs> so Jeff says, hey, it looks like a good run for lab-grown beef. Maybe so, Jeff. Maybe so. We'll see. Uh, and Syed, great to see you here as well as Kamisha. Welcome, welcome. Great to see you here as well. Look forward to your perspective. Okay, Greg, we got to keep, uh, keep driving here. So I, as I promised, we touched on geology a minute ago. And I, I don't think either one of us are going to be confused for geologists. Neither one of us may be confused for economists. Nevertheless, in our our second story here today, speaking of spending more at the store, which we've been doing for a couple of years now, just about everything. Well, here's a little pseudo good news, I'm going to call it. Prices aren't going up as fast as they have been. So according to CNBC, the country's inflation rate in May, annualized rate of 4% came in at its lowest annual rate in more than two years. Mm -hmm. But a few line items are running much higher than that 4%. Uh, over this time a year ago, food, which comes in at right. 6.7 percent housing or shelter, as I call it here, 8 percent transportation services, 10.2 percent. Greg, your thoughts here. Yeah, the transportation
0: services confused me because, I mean, freight. I don't know if that's part of the metric, honestly, mm. the freight has been crashing and you've been seeing a lot about it in the press and social media and that sort of thing. So that one surprised me you know, the other, uh, unfortunate truth is that's just for the U S. So again, having been in Europe, inflation is 16.8% in the UK. So, um, and you know, and I think the other thing we have to acknowledge here is that it sounds like the way that it gets presented, it almost sounds like inflation is going down. It's not. It's only accelerating at a slower rate, right? Right. Whereas it was in the 10, 11 percent range, um, now it's only now prices are only going up y- year over year by four percent. So what cost <laughs> you a buck last year costs you a dollar four this year. By the way, based on the rule of seventy-two, right? That means in eighteen years the price of everything will double at four percent inflation rate. Mm. So, um, and of course everything has practically doubled because of the rate that, that things have been at since, what, twenty early 2021. Mm. Um, so we're kind of rolling off some of the early dramatic inflation that we experienced in 2021, back when we were talking about the price of chicken wings going through the roof, which they did and have managed to stay. Right. There, right. And, you know, and another thing I think we have to acknowledge here is that the calculation for Uh, inflation has been, I don't know how else to say it, but manipulated Mm. so that it doesn't look as egregious as it is. And in fact, if you look at inflation relative to the core inflation um, measures of the previous incredibly cataclysmic inflation event we had in the 80s, Mm. um, the rate is much, much higher and had even in the States gotten at one point based on that old metric to about 16 percent. So, um, and, and I think everyone sort of intuitively knows that because, I mean, you look at things like eggs and chicken wings and other things that have gone up by a significant amount. Um, and you can see that it's gone up by more than the five or seven or even 9% that, that they were reporting.
1: Yes. You know, I've got a, one of my favorite breakfast bars, as uh, I was strolling through the store and I put my hand on the box to grab it. Uh, $672, Greg, I, I decided to leave those breakfast bars <laughs> on the shelf. Okay. I might be exaggerating by a dollar or it two. It felt but- like that, didn't it? It did. Oh yeah.
0: gosh. I know. Um, Vicky and I, I must, I should be ashamed to admit this, but we were caught in the same deluge you were. And we had to dive into someplace just to kind of get out of the weather. Cause there was one microburst after another and it was a Taco Bell. So I ate a chalupa does that sound right sounds really good to me. taco shell thing it was four dollars and 59 cents i mean it wasn't that long ago that you could get your entire meal at taco <laughs> bell for four dollars and 59 cents right it's it's just insanity what you know how prices have gone up
1: it is you're so, right uh all right i gotta bring in josh's comment here so On Greg's point, lies, damn lies, and statistics statistics comes to mind when politicians talk about inflation metrics.
0: Thank you for quoting the great Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain. (laughs)
1: Love it. All right.
0: Damn lies, and then there's statistics.
1: (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, I want to share one more opportunity to move right along. Uh, So Greg and I are hosting a live stream on July 11th. It it feels so strange to be referencing July dates already, but hey, that's where we are. July 11th, we're going to be talking about navigate successfully navigating retail peak season, five key strategies for shippers and carriers with our friends from Vector and Coyote. So y'all join us for that. Greg, that should be a a great session, don't you think? Yeah, of course. I mean, anytime we have anybody from
0: Vector on... That's always fun just because of the breadth of what they do and their, Mm. their, you know, give, give forward Mm. strategy. Um, And of course, Coyote is, you know,
1: big, they're big.
0: So we're going to get to get a really broad perspective on, on
1: the marketplace there. Excellent. Y'all join us there on July 11th. We've got a link right there in the chat to do just that. Uh, Josh says uh, the party pack at Taco Bell used to be 12 bucks. Now it's over 25 bucks. What?
0: I cannot believe it. First of all, I hate Taco Bell. Sorry <laughs> to anyone who loves it. I hate it. And every time I take a bite of it, I regret it. But, um, And I just can't see people continuing to return to fast food mm. when you could get something good for the, roughly the same price, right? Right. It's going right. to have to turn around.
1: I think it will. I think it will. I'd say not-
0: it's the price of beef, but it has been st- scientifically proven that their food is not beef. So
1: mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So, moving right along on that note. Uh, this is an interesting uh, story uh, that hit my radar here over the weekend, Greg. And this is something we've been we've really enjoyed talking about for a couple years now. Uh, this article here from our friends at uh, Axios talks about uh, a familiar theme for many of our listeners, the Mm -hmm. ongoing e-commerce battle between Mm -hmm. Walmart and Amazon. Now, according to this article there from our friends at Axios, they seem to think Walmart is approaching a tipping point in terms of that battle and might just be gaining the upper hand. I think that's, uh, I would agree with that. Now, Walmart has made big gains, as is pointed out in the article, in automation, really in lots of different areas across enterprise. and combined with its of course one of its big advantages its large physical footprint combined with big surges in bopus popularity right Be, uh, buy online pick up in yeah. store or just maybe uh, just outside of store sometimes all of those things is what is uh, uh giving way to the tide shifting faster in Walmart's favor greg i can't wait to hear your thoughts here it makes me chuckle
0: a little bit you know, remember when everyone was afraid of Walmart coming into their community and, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever they hated about Walmart. Um, and now it's like the world is pulling for Walmart because right. they're the underdog to Amazon. You know, it's still the largest retailer on the planet. Right. And it's only in e-commerce where they even even remotely need to catch up because they are a far bigger retail organization than Amazon. Right. Right. Um, but it is interesting. I mean, if you think about this, what was it? Was it 2019? They bought jet, Mm. um, which wasn't a big, it it was mostly for the mechanism of jet because they weren't that big of an e-commerce retailer then. And they have turned that into something really, really venerable. I don't know if you do, uh, Walmart, I mean, walmart.com or whatever, but I have a, an American Express card where I get a free Walmart Plus, okay, um, a, a free Walmart Plus membership, which means it's nothing compared to the 120 or 140 bucks a year you pay for Amazon uh, Prime yep. nowadays. And um, it somehow feels better. The to I can't believe I'm saying this, because <laughs> but, but it somehow feels better. To shop Walmart, because Walmart is an established retailer, when I compare the reasons that Walmart does private label versus the reason Amazon does private label, Walmart finds where the value is not represented by the cost of a you know, jar of pickles or whatever, and then they create a great value jar of pickles, which are substantially the same pickles without all the excess marketing costs, Yeah, and save their customers money. Amazon poaches their you know, their most popular and highly profitable items on, on their site and makes them Amazon basically stealing business for their own pri- profit, not hmm. for the good of their customer. And that's, that's a philosophical difference that has been well-documented. Um, and, and so somehow um, dealing with the largest retailer on, you know, in the world makes you feel like you're pulling for the underdog when you do it online. Right. It is nice to be able to pick the stuff up to get it that day if you want. I mean, go get it yourself that day. Yep. Order it. And then if you're driving by a store, which you almost can't throw a rock and not hit a Walmart store in the US, um, you know, you can just drop in and grab the stuff and go. And they are very efficient.
1: Yeah. You know, one, one other thing that this article pointed out, and y'all can check it out. I think we've dropped a link there in the chat. Y'all check it out for yourselves. Um, the drone battle. Right, drone delivery. Um, that's probably one of the more surprising things. And we, we, of course, we've interviewed Walmart executives and we've spoken about some of the big gains they've made in drone delivery. But I would have, th- I would have thought that by now, Amazon would have made up more ground. But we're talking—if I—if I got these numbers right, Greg, uh, ten thousand deliveries last year for Walmart drone deliveries, and like a hundred for Amazon, right? And the, and and for what I've read in other research. Ah, uh, some of the areas that amazon is is trying to work out its drone delivery or maybe two, three households are are eligible for drone delivery. so they're not even be able to take advantage of of just sheer numbers and experimentation your your thoughts uh, when it comes to drone delivery, and do you see that, Greg, you know out of out of out of all the different ways that um Walmart and Amazon, you know they're doing a lot of things similar, right? like a driver program we talked about uh, right. And then they're doing some things unique. What do you think in terms of what Walmart is doing? What's one thing that you think is a really big differentiator as it seeks to gain more ground on Amazon?
0: Uh, well, I can speak from real life experience. One, we interviewed their head of end-to-end delivery. And I think that's a really, really fascinating program where mm. they can they can provide the services, the the transportation services, not only for you if you are a vendor of Walmart to deliver with real efficiency because they're pooling orders from multiple vendors, but also on the other end, because it is end to end to deliver the goods on your behalf. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of efficiencies there because their are you know, their stores are inherently where the demand is because yeah. they put them, they scientifically placed their stores where they were surrounded by their shoppers or potential shoppers. So, their delivery efficiencies are substantial there, and this end to end delivery opportunity that they have is is really fantastic. so you know I invested in free spirits the um non alcoholic spirits company right yeah, so we talk we actually talked with the folks at Walmart about both bringing the goods in and delivering them not just to on behalf of Walmart but uh free spirits is in um Total Wine and Kroger and all that sort of thing, but fulfilling those orders from from their facilities for all of that sort of thing. So now they're competing with, you know, not just Amazon, but all the other tiers of and other types of 3PLs and, and e-commerce fulfillment organizations. I, it's yep. a really, really, uh, it's a really, really good um, methodology. On the other hand, Scott, never underestimate amazon and right. I, I would i would argue I, I wouldn't argue this i would speculate that if amazon is only lightly dabbling in drone delivery they know something that maybe <laughs> Am, maybe walmart or we don't
1: that's a good point but
0: because they are uh ruthlessly efficient when it comes to what's coming in the future and you know and that sort of thing. i mean let's face it this was company that started selling a few books online right <laughs> and now is one of the largest retailers and one of the largest logistics organizations in the entire planet mm. so it's great point um it's really hard to count them out so my first question if i were investigating this on walmart's behalf would be to say what do they know that we don't Yep. um and it's just possible that walmart is right and amazon or, or you know the, the this article i think it's its premise is that that Walmart is ahead of Amazon on these things. that's also possible, yeah I mean, Walmart also pretty ruthlessly efficient. <laughs> yeah, I'd
1: agree with that. Yeah. um hey, folks, what's your take? Uh, if you're vendors to both these organizations or if you're customers, I'd love to get your take like Natalie's here, Greg, and Natalie, great to have you here as always. She says, looking forward to reading the article, of course, but as a vendor of both companies. Natalie says, I don't see this to be true. And I don't see where's my Walmart order on the neighborhood chat, mm-hmm. Amazon, all the time. And she also says Walmart and BOPUS. You know, pick up uh, buy online, pick up in store. That's why there's no comments. And you know, that's a good, good chat, but they um really, you know, as 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 folks are getting out, thankfully, right? Thankfully, and they're able to leverage that, it's become really popular, really popular. And so no doubt that's a big trend. That Walmart is riding uh, to Natalie's point, Greg. Uh, I love Natalie's comment there from the vendor side of things. Not yeah. you know because what we've been chatting more a little more about, uh, with the exception of your most recent investment, I'd love to talk more about. But we've been talking maybe on more on the consumer side, the customer side. Any any final thoughts in terms of what suppliers might be seeing from either organization? Ruthless efficiency—you can expect
0: (laughs) from both both of them. I think there's more of a, and I I'd put this to Natalie too. I think there's more of a partnership kind of solution-oriented stance by Walmart. They used to be ruthless and miserable to work with, just like Amazon, Mm. right? And and there are other retailers that take that that position in dealing with their suppliers. Um, But I think that's probably a difference that that. I expect to see certainly you get a lot more engagement again just looking at the free spirits example um closely collaborating with the category managers and the logistics people at walmart at amazon it's more of a you know it's more of a transactional relationship right you're mm-hmm. just selling your stuff on amazon as a vendor and just not
1: not quite the personal touch there
0: yeah
1: right um so uh, I want to but so we're we're talking about ruthlessly efficient. We are way ahead of schedule. So we're gonna give some folks a little bit of their time back. But I'm glad, Greg, now that you're back with us after your European travels last yeah. three or four weeks, you mentioned, and it's public knowledge now, so I think we can talk about it. You mentioned a recent investment you made. Uh tell us a little bit more. Uh, and and folks, this is gonna be a little shameless plug, but I find this <laughs> intriguing. Uh, both the 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 product itself as well as Greg's um uh, I'll call it, for lack of a better phrase, rationale yeah. uh, for where the market's going. So tell us more about this. So, it's, uh, so I'll describe the company really
0: quickly and then why um, it was both shocking and fascinating to me that there is opportunity here. So it's called Free Spirits, the Free Spirits Company, and it's um, non-alcoholic spirits made for mixing into cocktails. I can tell you that you don't want to sit down with a non-alcoholic bourbon and sip it next to your bottle of eagle rare because while evaluating the evaluating the investment i did that very thing and i was like yeah i'll take eagle rare every time (laughs) but um it is remarkably similar and and um and this is the dynamic that is changing is that gen y millennials and gen z are drinking less and less they're getting their buzz a little bit different way these days (laughs) (laughs) um uh, <laughs> apparently when you're on shrooms and nice i <laughs> non-alcoholic cocktail no i'm just kidding um no but uh, you know but a, a lot of people are trying to moderate their drinking a lot of people have quit drinking but still want the social or even the flavor experience of cocktails in fact the ceo uh, mylon martin was in the ad game he was at one of the biggest advertising agencies in the country which if you've ever seen mad men i mean you know it's you know, it's lunch with a couple of martinis and that right. kind of thing. And he just kind of tired of that. And yet, um, there, you know, the flavor aspect of it was very enticing to him and, the um, and the social aspect of it, it's almost reverse stigmatized, right? Where, mm. you know, some people would look down their nose at people who do drink, people who do drink would look down their nose at somebody having a glass of water while everyone else is having a, you know, having a cocktail. Right. So it allows you to both have that experience and and be inside the cultural norms uh, of of anything. Um, And what what has been found is that like our generation, Gen X, is also um, taking a drink off is what a lot of people call it. So, um, you know, they'll have a couple Manhattans and then you can have a free spirits Manhattan, which I have had. And because, you know, it's mixed it tastes remarkably similar and it, huh. and it's another way instead of you know having to take a time out like the what is that a Crown Royal commercial right. drink a bottle of water you of course you should do that as well anyway um you know i compulsively <laughs> drink water um but it allows you to kind of continue continue enjoying without um you know what overdoing it with the buzz mm. and the buzz and uh, <laughs> And it's been fascinating. The market is growing like crazy. Um, um, spirits are very hard to do, but um, you know the company's been really diligent about making it a really, really good experience. So my, uh, a good example, my favorite tequila is Classe Azul Reposado. They come in those really nice white bottles that look like a lamp. Yep. Um, and um, the tequila, the Free Spirits tequila, Tastes remarkably like that, and in a margarita, you would never even know the difference because it even simulates the bite that you really? get from an alcohol of, uh, alcoholic beverages. They use spices and active ingredients, hmm. nat- natural ingredients too, to uh, to do that. And then it, it, the stuff is flooded with B vitamins and things like that to you know give you that kind of, the energy without the crash of a of a depressant like alcohol is. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean. I have to tell you, I did not get it at first. Yeah, and there are a lot of people who don't get it, and I think there will be a lot of people who never get it. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fun to do every once in a while. Love it. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to quit drinking, right? right. It's just another it's way an option. To, yeah, it's just another a healthy way to option. It.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. So, folks can learn more. Greg, the name of the company again is Free Spirits. The Free Spirits Company.
0: Free Spirits. Yep. Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you want to follow it on LinkedIn or social media, it's usually TFSC or the Free Spirits Company.
1: Okay, awesome. We'll look forward to learning a lot more. I've got to get a couple of bottles of because they they from what I saw as you announced it made it public. They had, um, as I vis- ventured over to the the website, the the various products that came with recipes, all this stuff, from holiday yeah. drinks to you you name it. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna have to do some experimenting. I think
0: that's a great idea. Then, look, think about this: any time is cocktail time,
1: right? You and I could just sit here and drink <laughs> cocktails the whole time. That's right. Well, you know, as as we've talked about, uh, maybe not on the show, but behind the scenes, uh, who is that famous uh, member of the Rat Pack, Dean Martin? Yes. So it's I've read in a couple different places that it's been rumored, you know, because he would do his routines, whether he was singing or doing stand up comedy or whatever. with a small glass of what most people assumed was either bourbon or whiskey or something like that. But it's Mm -hmm. long been alleged that in many cases that was apple juice and it was just part of his act. How about that? So, uh, it is also true, and that is true
0: in many cases, not in every case. (laughs) My uh, grandmother was a big Dean Martin fan, and she could verify from his breath that he was (laughs) – Talking to him at some shindig or something <laughs> one time. Um, um but even the great David Lee Roth, when he would chug a bottle of Jack Daniels, uh, about half the time that was tea. Interesting. So Interesting. Um yeah.
1: I bet that's not the only interesting thing about David Lee Roth back in the days. I bet they could write some stories. I bet they have. No, they um, have, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Greg, man, a very efficient buzz today. Really great to have you back. Uh, we've got, uh, as we've laid, started to lay out, not only do we have uh, big shows just around the corner. July, Greg. July is jam-packed. We've got a ton of uh, live webinars and live, live streams that you're not going to want to miss. And, Greg, the easiest way for folks, and, again, I'm going to share this little little uh, tool here, the easiest way, folks, to not miss any of this stuff, even if you can't make the live event, if you sign up to be part of our NOW community, you'll be able to access on demand very easily, easily. And, of course, also get the tools and resources that a lot of those shows offer from uh, some of our partners there. So check it out. we dropped a link uh, uh, for easy registration as part of the NOW community And definitely want to share that with all of y'all here, Greg, uh, it's easy to miss things, right? Uh, and it's even easier to take advantage of little tools like this. So you don't miss uh, things here at supply chain now, right?
0: Yeah. And I I think what, um, you know, one of the things I think we ought to share, let's share it now, Scott, Is that one of the things we want to do with this community is create valuable offerings and engagement Mm. opportunities for you. So, um, So this will get you informed so that you're, you know, when we're doing a show or when, you know, when we've got a sponsor, um, doing a webinar or anything like that, it, it, I assume, doesn't it get you on the, with that said? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and to me, that's worth, it's worth it. That one thing. (laughs) <laughs> um, but the other thing that that does is is, a, a, is as we build that community, we want to build other offerings. So we're going to bring it. We're going to start doing some things that are in addition to the shows, like research and analysis, and 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 possibly some more in depth news. We're going to do some um, educational things that we'll share, some of which ultimately down the road will be only for our subscribers, mm. right? Um, But right now, I mean, it's a great opportunity to get connected with us and um, just kind of follow us as we add some of these additional bits of information. Remember, remember, our goal is to is to elevate the entire practice of supply Mm. chain and procurement and all of that. And so everything that we do going forward will be more than just these shows and more than just sharing the stories of people in the industry, but also the topics of the day like we do on this. Um, some of our opinions, which are not very strong. We don't have very strong opinions at all, do we, Scott? Um, <laughs>
1: oh, boy. Some of
0: our knowledge and expertise and that of of some of the, as you've seen, as many of you've seen, the exceptional practitioners that we bring to you through a lot of these shows um, and help impart knowledge to you or, mm. you, you know what, if there is something you'd like to see in terms of a community offering, please, please reach out.
1: Excellent. I'm glad you mentioned all of that. Uh, we are definitely entering an exciting new chapter, where, just like you put it, it's about lifting the in the the craft, as we've used that word. Mm-hmm. You used that word prior, lifting the whole craft, doing industry, doing supply chain management, doing leadership better, and not leaving anyone behind. So, folks, stay tuned for a lot more to come. And uh, again, the easy step is to join now community so you don't miss a thing okay greg i got twelve i'm fighting the urge to dive into seven or eight more things but i gotta i want to touch on one thing before we take off i was gonna say i hope you pick one yeah, yeah i'm gonna pick i'm gonna pick one actually i'm gonna pick two so greg uh, i've asked you this internally you know on our team call on friday you shared a little bit about this but i don't think you've had a chance to share with our uh our buzz and our supply chain now global fam What is one your, your pick here, either your favorite, one of your favorite uh, experiences as part of traveling and seeing uh, Europe uh, over the last month or so, or a tip, a suggestion for folks that may be gearing up for their own trip. And maybe they've got something in their blind spot that you uh, can share that would help them make, have a better experience. Your pick, Greg. Uh, well one, um, yeah,
0: boy, uh, one thing is <laughs> embrace the uh, vast, especially in Switzerland and Germany and France and Italy, embrace the vast uh, transportation network. I mean, you, you can buy this thing, for instance, in Switzerland called Swiss Pass, and you, you, wave, you, know, you wave your pass, you can get onto um, something as, as light as a bus, or you can get on what's called the Glacier Express, which is about an $800 round trip. Wow. And and that's paid for. So I got a 15 day ticket. It was like 400 or 500 bucks. Um, and, and I probably saved $2,000 doing that. Wow. Um, and some of these, they're called panoramic trains in Switzerland. So the windows go all the way into the roof and you just ride around Literally, look you can look at glaciers and lakes and rivers. They take incredibly scenic mm. routes. Um, don't miss that, particularly in Switzerland and northern Italy and um, the east side of France. I can only speak to those from this trip because of that. Mm. Um, so embrace that. The other is be prepared for um, be prepared for two things: cigarette smoke. <laughs> they still smoke. Incredibly, I cannot believe it, but they still smoke so incredibly in in particularly Germanic countries, but all over Europe. Hmm. So be prepared for that. That will be one of your most lasting memories. And every city will have dozens of cranes. You got to remember that a lot of these buildings were built a thousand or two thousand years ago, and there is always something under construction. So um, you'll have to take your pictures judiciously, right and (laughs) And a good editing package to cut those, you know, some of those cranes out will be good. But you cannot overestimate the beauty of the Alps Mm. and the um, overwhelming vastness, hugeness of glaciers. So we went to the Matterhorn, uh, which is uh, near Zermatt, Switzerland, and walked into a glacier. And we were millions of years below the top. I mean, that's the way they said it, right? (laughs) Because the the stuff on the bottom where we were walking had obviously been being packed down for millions of years. So, Mm. um, and, 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 you know, as they tell you this, fortunately you're walking out when they told us this, you're below about three or 400 feet of ice and snow in some of these glaciers. So we weren't even on the top peak, the Matterhorn at, um, you know, at that point. We were in a glacier at the kind of the next peak down, um, and it, uh, when they tell you that, you're glad you're on the way out. I bet, man. <laughs> but it's it is truly amazing, and it is um, the higher you get. So we got to about thirteen thousand feet. The higher you get, the more it looks like another planet as you're kind of seeing the landscape, mm. um, and you can see the constant shifting of the land up there. Even these giant mountains have huge boulders and small pebbles and everything in between on the way up because they are constantly being you know hit by rain and snow and wind and heat and all of that sort of thing and even these giant stones right sticking out of the ground uh, are eroded and um and broken apart and you know in various places it is Man. just fascinating to see
1: fascinating wow okay so stay tuned For a lot more from Greg's journey, but great to have you back, Greg. Really enjoyed the buzz here today. Yeah, Uh, looking forward to good, good good buzz. Uh, Looking forward to a a very busy, very busy uh, next five weeks in particular, and I bet August isn't going to slow down much. So, folks, stay tuned. We great to have y'all to be part of this journey, and look forward to sharing a lot more um, really inspiring, helpful. Uh, thought leadership and a practitioner perspective and expertise in the weeks around the corner. All right, yeah. so big thanks to all of y'all for joining up today. Uh, yeah. Thanks for all that you submitted and, and shared. Big thanks to Catherine and Amanda for helping to make uh, production happen day in and day out. Greg, always a pleasure. Likewise, yeah, it's good to be back. It is good to be back. Great to have you back. But folks, hey, take something shared here today, put it into action. Right, mm-hmm. deeds, not words. And on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain Now, Scott Luton, challenging you to do good, to give forward, and to be the change. We'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody.
0: Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at SupplyChainNow.com. And make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram.